is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome to it. We kick off another week here, Monday, December the 4th. Thanks for being along today. Should be another action-packed week around the NHL. Hockey-filled, drama-filled, story-filled. Winning streak-filled, losing streak-filled. Hey, speaking of winning streaks, the Arizona Coyotes can do something really special tonight. Like, let's rewind a little bit. You're Bill Armstrong. You're the general manager of the uh, Arizona Coyotes, and you get the schedule. And you look at late November, early December, and you say to yourself, oh, man, look at this. We've got in a row Vegas, Tampa, Colorado, St. Louis, Washington. All recent winners of the Stanley Cup. Thanks, Steve Hatsipetros. That's the schedule maker, by the way. Thanks for killing us in late November, early December. Well, guess what? <laughs> Led by Connor Ingram, who, dare we say, one of the candidates for the Vesna? Connor Ingram has put on a show for the ages. Someone who's easy to cheer for has led the Arizona Coyotes to four wins against recent Stanley Cup winners. Again, in order, Vegas, Tampa, Colorado, St. Louis. Tonight, they'll play the Washington Capitals for the cherry on top game. Can they do it? Can they get there? So far, so good. Connor Ingram has been exceptional, as has Michael Carcone. 11 goals, and he only averages 11 minutes of ice time. As someone tweeted me over the weekend, is he the new Daniel Sprong? Uh, we have a lot together uh, to get to today. Uh, I want to park some time and talk about the Los Angeles Kings and the Buffalo Sabres, specifically L.A., because we're starting to see maybe the emergence of the next great line in hockey, and that is Anse Kopitar, um, along with Quinton Byfield. By the way, Byfield has looked tremendous, uh, and Adrian Kempe. They were fantastic against a depleted and probably tired Colorado Avalanche team last night. Uh, who have been playing three and four, have some injuries, no Kale McCarr last night, and Colorado hung on, but then by the time the third period rolled around, L.A. just steamrolled them, and it was all over, and front and center was Anse Kopitar and Quinton Byfield. Kopitar now, by the way, um, breaking Marcel Dion's record for most assists by a Los Angeles King was 758, the 36-year-old center, uh, 18th season, uh, in the NHL, all with the Los Angeles Kings. So he's now number one. Marcel Dion is number two. Number three, some guy named Gretzky, and then Dave Taylor and Luke Robitaille. And here becomes the question. There have been some greats. The greatest of them all played with the Los Angeles Kings, Wayne Gretzky. But is Anse Kopitar the greatest king of all time? discuss amongst yourselves and we'll get to this in a couple of moments uh, we'll talk about the Minnesota Wild perfect under John Hines so far uh, Bruce Boudreaux coming up on the program to kick off hour two so very much looking forward to that Louis DeBrusque talks about the Edmonton Oilers and our good buddy Jimmy Murphy talks to us about the Boston Bruins in the meantime ladies and gentlemen uh, for your sins on this Monday you'll now be forced for the next 20 minutes to listen to Elliot Friedman Elliot Friedman joins us from Seattle how are you today for each that's pretty funny. I've always wanted to introduce you that way, Fridge. Now, for all of your sins, we present Elliot Friedman. Um, <laughs> I like how's that. Seattle? That's really good. You're there for the uh, you're there you're there for the Board of Governors in Seattle. What's the word? What's the uh, scuttlebutt? What's on the agenda today? Well, today the uh, executive committee meets. Uh, usually, this is a two day meeting. It's the afternoon of the first day and the morning of the second day. 
But in the morning of the first day, the executive committee meets, and there's uh, 10 owners who are part uh, of the executive committee uh, here. The Canadian teams involved are Calgary, um, Murray Edwards, uh, uh, Winnipeg, Mark Chipman, Toronto, Larry Tenenbaum, and Montreal, uh, Jeff Molson. Uh, they are four of the six owners that are on the executive committee. I'm not sure if everyone's here. I did have uh, I did have a couple of guys tell me that they weren't sure all of the uh, top owners were going to come uh, because the uh, the agenda is a little bit light. Um, you know, cap will be something. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, draft, um, you know, World uh, World Cup of Hockey. There'll be a financial update, as, as there always is. Um, you know, I, I assume they're going to go over some things privately. I'm sure we're going to be asking a little bit about the process with Corey Perry, um, maybe the situation involving things like uh, Mark Andre Fleury's mask. Is there a way they can sort this out? Um, I don't know if I'm expecting anything huge, but we've been surprised before. We'll see. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So, what are some of the the the, the top line items here? And on the podcast, we talked about the future of the Arizona Coyotes, and that always yes. comes up. But then again, but then again, you know, it, it's always been a story uh, at at, uh, at every board of governors meeting, and this one, it very much feels like. At a certain point, and we had wondered December, we had wondered January, we had wondered we wondered February whether All there's started, like a, yeah. a, a drop dead date, uh, you know, whether there's going to be a drop dead date. At which point, the NHL has to decide where Arizona is playing as soon as maybe next season. I would imagine that's got to come up over the next couple of days in Seattle. Oh, I, I got to think so. Now there was a story. Uh, Craig Morgan had a story today and. Uh, or yesterday or today in his um, uh, in his enterprise where they talked about you know Phoenix itself um, you know to me I'm just at a point where I'm like tell me when like just uh, you know we, it seems like we've been reporting on the future of the Coyotes for years now and like I'm not ripping Craig that's his beat and that's his job and his job is to report everything he hears there. Um, but yeah. you know, I, I, I just think I'm at a point now where I'm like, just, just tell me like when there's something there, then I'll worry about it. But you know, I, I, I am curious about the timeline. Yes, you're, you're right. I, I absolutely think it comes up. You know, I, I am curious as well at, um, I'm not even sure if you know the answer to this one, at, at what point they, the commissioner starts to introduce, um, potential new owners, whether it's the people themselves, the markets, like will there be an update on the viability of Salt Lake City, of Houston, of Quebec City, of Kansas City, of wherever? Like, do they, these types of things get discussed at the BOG? Yes, uh, I, I think they do. I think there's always conversation about expansion and where possibly they could be going. I, I would expect that that. Yeah, I, I absolutely think the one thing that I'm, I'm curious about here is, um, well, for example, last week, I don't have the story in front of me, but it sure sounds like the Olympics in 2034 are going to Salt Lake City. So one of the things I'm, I'm curious about is what that means for the timeline for the new arena there. Um, you know, I, I think if the NHL wanted to go to Salt Lake City, they could go right now. But I remember when we talked to Ryan Smith, you know, there was at least some conversation of, is it the right time to wait until their new arena is built? 
So we know now that they're a decade away from the Olympic Games. What's the schedule? And I do think the NHL will be there at some point. I just wonder what the the timeline of that is is going to be. So, you know, I mean, the thing with Houston I always heard was um, not that there wasn't interest in going to Houston, but was ownership in Houston willing to pay what they thought was the fair going, what the NHL thinks is the fair going rate for an expansion franchise. Look, uh, Vegas went for 500, Seattle went for 650. Those are yeah. two of the NHL's top revenue generators. Ottawa just sold for uh, 900-ish, uh, 950-ish. I think it was 925 actually. Um, you know, we'll see. the The valuations are big. You know, the Leafs valuation in that uh, Larry Tannenbaum sale was 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 massive. Um, so I, I think I, I think we're all curious to hear if we are going to have expansion, what's the fee going to be? Mm. And you know, that's I mean, look, we just saw the Dallas Mavericks sold last week at what three and a half billion. Like the franchises are doing pretty well. There's been a lot of question about regional television and where we're going, and would that eat some of the pie? And I think there are people who really believe that that story has yet to be fully told, but, you know, the valuations seem seem very strong, Jeff. I would imagine there would be an update on Bally's and how it financially impacts the NHL, no? Well, I would would assume so, but most people I talk to seem to think that that short-term pain and long-term, they're going to figure it out. Um, You know, one of the things everybody's looking at is, some of these teams that have gone back to the old way, like the, uh, the the free TV way of doing things. You know, the Vegas Golden Knights yeah. are doing it. Arizona's doing it. Um, in the NBA, Utah's done it. We seem to be talking a lot about Utah. And they seem to like their yeah. ratings. They, they like the numbers they're getting. Now, um, <clears throat> does it mean you make up what you lose in rights fees? I think not in the short term, but it sounds like people are pretty hopeful for the long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, so we'll uh, look forward to reports on that over the next couple of days. Elliot Friedman in Seattle for the Board of Governors. Uh, meanwhile, in the NHL, um, I don't want to read it too much into one game, especially considering how much Colorado had played going into the game last night against the Los Angeles Kings. Um, and they had to deal with some key injuries and no Cal yeah. last night. But, man, the Los Angeles Kings looked really good. Uh, and that top line of Kopitar, Kempe, and Quinton Byfield. And I want to want to park a couple of moments to talk about Byfield here with you. Um, 21 years old, and I know Tim Stutzler has already established himself. Alexi Lafreniere yep. is coming around with the New York Rangers, and those were the top three picks in their draft year. And listen, we heard plenty about the Rangers need to make their mind up on Lafreniere, and you know there are the whispers about Quinton Byfield, and was it a good pick, and is it going to work out? I know he's not in his natural position, and one day he's going to play center, but he looks fantastic. Uh, playing with Adrian Kempe and Anse Kopitar. Now, mind you, Kopitar is one of the best two-way players in the game, so mm-hmm. maybe that makes it a little bit easier. Um, still working with Barbara Underhill on his skating, and he's not as hunched over as he used mm-hmm. to be, and it really emphasizes just how big a guy Quentin mm-hmm. Byfield is, and he can move his feet and goes to the net hard. And, you know, been watching him all year long and saying to myself, we make a lot about that top line in Dallas for good reason, but are mm-hmm. we starting to see a challenger emerge and, and rival them for top line in the NHL? Kopitar, Kempe, and Quinton Byfield. Uh, yeah, it's 
I mean, you've got to do it for a bit longer, I think, but there's no question that they're doing great. Um, you know, the, the stuff with Byfield and Lafreniere, it's, it's just a reminder that not everybody develops at the same pace. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that the, the toughest thing to have in this day and age is patience. You know, we expect instant gratification. Like you and I were talking last week about Devin Levi, and he goes back down to the minors, yep. and some people are calling it a failure. It's it's not a failure. It's a recognition that some people take longer to develop. Now, you know, you've got to make sure guys are in the right roles. They're they're in the right situations. They play with the right players. You know, Lafreniere's getting a shot with Panarin right now, and it's paying off. And Byfield, like Kopitar is doing a lot of the heavy lifting there, but that's okay. Like, I, I don't think that that's a, a bad thing. I am curious to see, though, Jeff, the, do people think that Byfield is now a winger as opposed to a center? Like, do we get to that day where he moves over positions? Um, you know, the thing about Byfield was always uh, nobody ever questioned his ability. They, It's just that people always wanted to see, like, it's almost like, is he really willing to run through the wall at the big moments? And I think some of that comes right. through conf- with confidence. And I think as he becomes more confident, um, you know, like the Kings, they're going like, to, I agree with you. I think they're going to be a very interesting team in the playoffs this year. I think they're going to be a very tough out. They play a lot of different ways and with the structure that you need to win. I'm looking forward to seeing it because, you know, he's going to be in big moments this year in the postseason. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. There's no question his his yeah. growth is, is is excellent. And, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of funny. When you think about where the Kings were two or three years ago and where they are now, it's almost like they – and we've talked about this a lot. It, it's almost like they gave up on the youth movement. Well, now I think what we've all realized is that if you're going to be successful with, with, with young players – First of all, you have to understand that some of them are going to make it and some of them aren't. And secondly, the ones that do make it, and it looks like, you know, Byfield is finding a role and Kaliev is finding a role, the roles might be different than you originally think. Like this, like it, it never goes the way you think it's going to go in most cases, but maybe you can still find a way it works. Do you think they're believing more and more in their uh, in their goalie situation? I mean, Cam Talbot's been excellent. I know Phoenix Copley yeah. has had his uh, challenges, but I think we all looked at this and said, okay, if there's one place, you know, not every team is perfect. If there's, a, if there's one place where the Kings might be vulnerable, it's in net. But then I look at a 930 save percentage for Cam Talbot, Elliot. Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I, like I think the Kings' plan was always to kind of see how this played out this year and then make a decision. So they still got time. Um, you know, I, I, like the one thing I've said about Talbot is, um, you know, sometimes you hear things and you write them down or they just stick with you. And the one thing I've always remembered about Talbot was what Bill Guerin said about him, which was, you know, he signed in, uh, he, he signed a three-year deal in Minnesota after a tough year with Calgary. And Guerin just said, like our analytics guys told us that in our system, he can be effective. And he was. And, yep. you know, when, when, you, when you think of a team like L.A., they're a really structured team. They do a pretty good job of making their uh, – of deciding where they're, they're going to let you get to. Like, hockey's too random and teams are too good. Like, you're always going to give up good chances. But the Kings are pretty good at 
at generally defending and, and trying to get you to go where they want you to go. And I think, you know, predictability really helps goaltenders. And, you know, Talbot, I think in that in a structured system, probably like a lot of goalies, looks good. Uh, you mentioned Devin Levi a couple of seconds ago, and I'm curious about the Buffalo Sabres right now because I have a hard time believing that Kevin Adams, Don Granato, everybody you know in the in the organization wants this year to slip away. But you look again last night, another loss. Um, Lukanen tried his best to keep the the Buffalo Sabres in that one against Nashville, uh, but at the end of it, it's another loss, and now that's three in a row, and now they're second last in the division. And I have a hard time wrapping my head around the idea that Kevin Adams is okay with this. I know there's some key injuries, but now you have, you know, Dylan Cousins saying, you know, I get paid to score goals and I'm not scoring goals enough. And you're starting to see a frustration. They spent a lot of money on hockey players here. This is not going the way that the Buffalo Sabres intended it to go. Attendance. I mean, you saw some of the pictures from last night. It was announced yep. at 14,000, and I think that's very generous. But I have a hard time believing that Kevin Adams is going to say, okay, this is just another rung on the ladder or another sequence in this path of development for these players. Essentially what I'm saying, Fridge, is I don't see Kevin Adams sitting on his hands here and saying, oh, well, if the season gets frittered away, so be it. These are young players that are still developing. Yeah, it, it's disappointing. There's no question about it. And then when it comes to the attendance, it's you can't blame the fans at all. They're great fans. They're they love hockey and they've seen a lot of losing. So it's not like you can take a run at them for yeah. any sensible reason. Um, it, like it's disappointing. There's no question about it. I think a lot of us expected a lot better from Buffalo this year. And I, I think it's a couple of things. I think number one, it's a reminder of how hard it is to win in this league. Even like you know, like look at Ottawa too. Like Ottawa, Buffalo, good young teams expected to take a big leap. Now Ottawa's got games in hand, and they've got to take advantage of them. But there's no doubt they're they're not they're not anywhere near where we thought they were going to be. So number one, I always think of is how hard it is to win in this league. You know, number two, Buffalo's made a lot of long-term bets here, and I think they are smart bets. So it kind of limits what you can do a little bit. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is, is that I kind of thought that Buffalo was going to be a team that just kept on bringing up from Rochester, you know, a couple of their young players, Rosen and Coolidge got a chance to make their debuts last week. Yep. And I kind of thought that was going to be it. Like this new young core would take over running the team and more players from Rochester would come. You know, I, I look at that now and I say, it's probably not going to be enough, Jeff. Um, and, you know, they've mm-hmm. tried to bring in, they, they, they have a proposal there. They have Eric Johnson there. Like, these are good veterans. I, I, I agree with you in the sense that they have to be looking at this and saying, what else do we need? And you have been all over, like, the Hannafin idea, how you think he'd be perfect for them. Yep. I do wonder if they're going to have yep. to look at, like, a veteran defenseman or two or another veteran or two that they're going to need to bring in there who they think they can help. Because uh, I think what we're seeing like Ottawa is a young team getting used to the reality of how hard it is to win. And especially in the regular season, I feel that, um, you know, guile and consistency, they are underrated abilities and 
you know, mm-hmm. guile is learned through experience and consistency is a hard thing to have when you're younger because it's just you're not used to what you're dealing with yet. So, like, New Jersey's seeing the same thing, right? Like, um, you know, oh, yeah. they're, 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 you know, they're a really <laughs> talented team that's, that has had some success but is, is being reminded of how hard it is to win in this league. And, you know, it's I, Buffalo's definitely going. It's disappointing. There's no question about that. Yeah, and and that's why I put those two conversations together, Los Angeles and Buffalo, wondering if that's more of a model for the Buffalo Sabres. Whereas, you know, as you mentioned, that was Doughty and Kopitar saying, okay, enough with the kids, let's bring in some players. And now... Yeah. You're starting to see the kids getting seated in the lineup, whether it's Byfield. We got Jordan Spence been great. Um, really good. Mikey Anderson's really good. been great paired with with Drew Doughty. So like that seems more like the model. It feels like the model that Buffalo should be following, but we'll see. Um we'll we'll see you know where that what it one is, goes. Jeff? Hey, I want to run Jeff, hold on yeah, one second. You know what it is? It's it's understanding who's ready for what role. That's that's what it is. Yeah, that's true. You know, like yep. like when, like like you know, Gary Galley, uh, he always told me a story, and I, and I always remember this. Ray Bork got injured in a playoff series, and Mike Milbury was the coach. And Milbury came up to him and said, um, "I'm not Gary. I'm not splitting Ray Bork's minutes between everybody. Um, I think it's going to screw up everyone, I, I, and I don't want to do that." So you know what's going to happen? And Gary said, well, he goes, you're getting them all. You're going to be Ray Bork tonight because you can handle it. And some of these other guys, I think it would really throw them off. And, you know, I remember Gary walked into the dressing room and he, he, he put his jersey on. You know, they had the numbers facing out so he couldn't see the front. But he said when he put it on, uh, he, like, the other guys started looking at him. And he's like, what? And they put the C on his jersey. And so I got actually, I should check. I, I, the one thing I don't remember about this story is like if they won or not or how they did. But Gary actually yeah. told me that, like, because we were doing a playoff series, uh, we were doing a playoff series and, we're, and there was a big injury. And he just talked about how Milbury felt if one guy get, goes out, his biggest question was as good as Bork was, how do we replace him? without throwing everybody else off like Milbury's and Milbury, like for all of Mike's uh, craziness and he was a great teammate. He was actually like a lot of players will tell you he was a good, really good coach. And mm-hmm. like, he just said that my job in the, in obsessing the playoff series is to put everybody in roles. They could be successful. And if I'm changing everyone's role to cover for Ray Bork, I'm going to screw up our team. So I, I think about that a lot. Like, what's everybody's role? How does it make everybody successful? Well, I'll tell you, there's something that I've been thinking about all weekend, and I read it on the internet, and I want to present it to you. It, okay. This one, this one is stat. This one, this one stopped me in my tracks. Okay. Okay. Now, this is about the New York Islanders, and this is so Eric Hornick. Uh, if you don't know, Eric Hornick is yep. a must-follow. He writes a report called "The Skinny" after Islanders games. It is first class. I recommend to everyone. He's been a statistician for the Islanders going back to the early '80s. I think he started in 1982. Hornick is great. I don't miss anything that this guy writes, and he's responding to someone. 
who who tweeted at him about uh, uh, goals against average and save percentage for goaltenders. So here is the stats. This blows my mind. There's only been two goaltenders, Elliot, in NHL history with a goals against average of 3.09 or worse while having a save percentage of 914 or better. Okay? So goals against is 309, but save percentage is 914. It's only happened twice in the NHL, as Eric points out. One, Doug Favell with the Philadelphia Flyers, 6970. Goals against average, 315. Save percentage, 917. The other, Ilya Sorokin. Hmm. 309 goals against, 914 save percentage. Translation, the Islanders allow way too many shots. This guy is getting beaten up by pucks. This mm-hmm. has only happened one other time in the NHL. And I'm, I'm, the reason I'm stunned at it is, and we see the, the, the shots against every game, but I don't know... Like it just doesn't feel like a Lou Lamarillo stat. It doesn't feel like a stat that some that a, that a goaltender for a Lou Lamarillo coach team or run team has a goals against of 309 and a save percentage of 914. It's been running through my head all weekend long, Elliot. Islanders given up way too many shots. I never thought I would say that about a Lou team. Yeah, and you know what the other thing about that too is that it's not only is the save percentage nine fourteen, but that's ten points above the average. I think the average is nine oh three right now. So it's not I think, only I thought it was nine oh two, but it's right in there. Yeah. 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 So not only is his save percentage good and his goals against high, which doesn't paint a true picture of who he is, but he's also much, much better than the average goalie in the league this year. Much better. Yes. Yes, and the, I've always made it. The goals against is a team stat. The save percentage is the goalie stats. And I look at that and I say, how much longer uh, can this continue? Okay, um, a couple of things bopping around the NHL. Um, Minnesota Wild better? Is this, as we call, the dead cat bounce? What is this we're seeing with Mini right now? I uh, I think with Mini, again, we'll let it play out and see where it goes. But there's definitely the the definitely the bounce. Like there's, it, it's almost like they're almost unrecognizable to what they were before. They're getting saves that they weren't getting. Their pe- penalty killing is work, which wasn't happening before. Uh, some guys who hadn't scored in a long time were scoring. There's definitely uh, yeah. it was definitely a much much better week. You know, we'll see what happens there. Um, I don't like you know. Whenever there's a coaching change, you're hoping you get rejuvenated a little bit. You know, in Edmonton, it's health-related. Everybody's getting healthier, and they're starting to go. And we'll just see if somehow John Hines had the uh, magic spice or whatever it is for whatever was ailing the wild, (laughs) goaltending, penalty killing guys who were on long droughts. Okay, let me let me finish with this one. Um, Nino Niederreiter uh, signs a contract yep. extension with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he's been real good for them. Uh, it's a three-year deal. It is an AAV of $4 million. I mean, listen, he's been good for the Jets, um, specifically defensively. Uh, your thoughts on the Niederreiter deal with Winnipeg? 
Uh, I think it's, uh, I, I, like, I'm not surprised. Um, his agent, uh, Andre Rufner, uh, made a trip to uh, Winnipeg a couple weeks ago. And the word then was that they were going to get kids started on the talks, which they clearly did. Um, it was just a matter of knocking it down. I think Winnipeg's probably one of their biggest things was term. Um, you know, he's in his 30s, which doesn't make him older, but it makes him older by NHL standards. And obviously Winnipeg got a term that they were comfortable with and the player got a deal he was comfortable with. Niederreiter's been a good fit there. He's bounced around a little bit, but that, that line there he's yeah. been on with the Jets has been very good. I think this is one of those contracts where term doesn't hurt the team and the player gets a good amount of money. So it's a, it's a win-win. I, I, I just generally think with guys who bounced around that when you get a situation that you are comfortable in, you try to lock it down for as yeah. long as you can. It's clear they like him and he, he likes them. Win-win-win. Uh, and we'll watch him tonight. Winnipeg faces off against Carolina and Seattle and Montreal. Those are your two games on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Okay, enjoy Seattle. Enjoy the BOG, and we'll, uh, we'll check back in tomorrow. All right, Jeff. Speak to you tomorrow.